Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, good morning, Vanguard family and any friends that are joining us. Uh, It's great to have you watching here. Uh, I hope you're resting well and staying healthy as we take a break from our regular worship services at Vanguard uh, in order to limit the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, Before we get started, please make sure you've got a copy of God's Word with you and that you've downloaded the PDF handout I created and uploaded to our website next to this uh, Bible lesson. And thirdly, make sure that you've got a pen, something to write with, so you can take some notes. I think that'll help you get the most out of this lesson that we're going to do today. Uh, If you need to pause this video to go get those things, feel free to pause it. I'll be waiting for you when you come back. My goal with these family Bible study videos is to allow you to spend, give or take, about 30 minutes with your family, your spouse, or uh, any friends that maybe you're gathering with on Sunday morning for uh, some time with the Lord. And I want you to be able to use these lessons so that you can think biblically about what is happening in our world right now. Uh, my, my intent with these lessons is to be simple and also to have you pause the video a couple of times and discuss a question. I'm going to give you some discussion questions to use here as we work through the scriptures so that you can talk with your spouse or your children or anybody you're watching the video with about the text so that we interact over it together. Now, uh, after much prayer and giving this a lot of thought and just asking the Lord, what do you want me to say during this health crisis that our world is going through? Uh, I've decided to pause the Ephesians series I've been doing on Sunday mornings at our worship services at Freedom Middle School and instead to start a new series, a short one, that I'm just calling Biblical Thinking About the Coronavirus. Um, There are a lot of questions, fears, concerns, and even irritability going on in our world right now that um, I I wanna try and help us think biblically about. Uh, So, or as you've heard me say, I want us to look through the lens of the scriptures as we watch the news and we watch and and read what's happening on social media. And thankfully, God's Word has a lot to say about all the things that we're seeing and experiencing. And so, uh, by looking at the Scriptures during this unprecedented time, uh, we'll be able to better understand, I think, what God is doing and how He wants us to respond during this global health crisis. Uh, So I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks opening the Scriptures with you Uh, So we can look at some topics that I'm seeing come up on the news and I'm seeing come up on social media and in conversations with people. And those topics are just sort of triggering scripture passages that I'm thinking of. Ooh, God's Word talks about that right here. And God's Word talks about this right there. And so that's that's in essence what I'm going to do. But before we jump in, let me open up with uh, just a word of prayer. Let's ask the Lord to help us understand His Word and how it can apply to our lives. Uh, Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is living, active, and powerful. Lord, please, would you use your word during these next few minutes to teach us more about who you are, who we are, and what you're doing in our world during this season. Father, we want to see your hand at work, and we want to understand what you want us to learn 
during this global pandemic called the coronavirus. And so we just admit, we need your help, and we're grateful that you're willing to give it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to open up your copy of God's Word with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I'd like us to look at three topics today in the Scriptures that have been coming up in my mind as I watch the news and I read social media. Those three topics are evil, authority, and interruptions. And so first of all, in Genesis chapter 3, let me give you some context here before I read a few verses. In Genesis 3, you might remember this is where in the garden Adam and Eve had a peaceful, perfect life with the Lord, enjoying uninterrupted fellowship with Him. And that was until the adversary showed up in chapter 3, verse 2, and encouraged Eve to disobey God. The Lord had told Adam not to eat from the, the, the tree of uh, good, excuse the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, excuse me. And then he created the woman, and the woman was tempted and gave into that temptation uh, because the adversary caused her to doubt God's goodness. Now, in verses 8 to 13, after Adam and Eve disobey God, then they try to hide from God, and God finds them. Uh, in verses 8 through 13, the Lord discovers what they've done, and Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the adversary. Basically, nobody wanted to take responsibility for what they did. Now, in the remaining verses of chapter 3 in Genesis, the Lord pronounces judgments or doles out consequences to the evil one, to Eve, and to Adam in order of their disobedience. And so that's where we pick up the text. And I'm hoping this first point in this first text, I want to answer the question, who is to blame for this coronavirus? And where is it coming from? And so uh, follow along with me as I read Genesis 3, verses 16 to 19. And so the Lord said to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until... You return to the ground, from out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Here's the first point on your outline. The first, If I was to boil down Genesis 3 into a singular truth that applies to what we're seeing in the world this month, this spring, and it's this. Natural disasters are a result of the fall. Natural disasters are a result of the fall. I want to encourage you to write that down on your outline. The fall, capital F, not small f, it's, it's a word that theologians use to refer to the point in history here in Genesis 3 where everything changed. The fall is when man disobeyed God for the first time and was banished from the garden where he was able to have uninterrupted fellowship with the Lord. 
Uh, it is when man chose to exchange eternal life in the presence of God for a life sentence separated from God. It is, it is where man was sentenced to a life limited, a life span in which he would die as a result of his sin. Now, the fall created two general types of evil. And this is letters A and B on your outline. Letter A is moral will. As a result of the fall, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were banished from the garden, moral evil was created. Moral evil refers to humans violating God's word. It's when sinners sin against sinners. The scriptures teach that we are all victims of sin and we are all culprits of sin. Or in other words, we are all sinned against and we all sin against others. Uh, some examples of moral evil that we see on the news and on social media would be things like terrorists who fly planes into buildings or plant bombs in airports, uh, wars and relational conflict and marriage is often caused by moral evil, uh, scandal, sex abuse, the things that you read about in the gossip columns or in gossip magazines are most often morally evil, uh, hoarding paper products so others are left out would be a type of moral evil, students cheating on their tests or lying to their parents or sneaking behind their parents back to break the rules are all examples of moral evil. So again, moral evil takes place when sinners sin against other sinners. Now, I want to pause the video here for a minute, or ask you to pause the video for a minute, and look at the question that I have on your handout. It's a discussion question. You see DQ there. I'd like you to, to take just a, a couple minutes and to discuss with your spouse or with your family, your kids, or if you're watching this by yourself, maybe discuss it with yourself. <laughs> what are some other examples of moral evil that you can think of? Okay, did you come up with some good ones? I'm sure you did. Here's the second type of evil that came out uh, of the fall, and that is letter B on your outline. It's natural evil. Natural evil. Natural evil, evil is not caused, it's not caused by any human agent, but instead by a creation that is cursed. Uh, it, it reminds us that we are no longer in the garden, but we're not in heaven yet. Uh, your insurance company probably calls natural evil an act of God. Uh, your favorite meteorologist probably calls it El Nino or Mother Nature when Mother Nature, she doesn't exist, but when Mother Nature's not behaving or doing things we don't like, uh, the meteorologist calls natural evil Mother Nature and other figures of speech like that. Here's some illustrations or examples, excuse me, of natural evil that we see in the headlines today. Uh, planes crashing, ships sinking, um, the tornadoes that took place just a couple of weeks ago in Nashville that took uh, several lives, uh, cancer, birth defects, viruses and other diseases, earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, and things like that. Natural evil occurs 
when bad things happen to us that no sinner can be blamed for. So natural evil happens when bad things happen to us that no sinner can be blamed for. Now again, I want to ask you to pause the video here and talk about that discussion question that I have on your handout. What are some other examples of natural evil that you can think of? So talk about that for a minute and I'll be right back to join you. Well, welcome back. I hope you came up with some, well, I know, I'm sure you came up with some good answers to the question, some good ideas on uh, other examples that natural evil, how natural evil shows up here in our world. Uh, as we wrap up this first point here in Genesis 3, I want to just make some clarifications. Christ followers live in what theologians call the already but not yet tension. What that means is that Christ followers, those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, they have the promise of eternal life in heaven with the Lord, and it is so real, it's so certain, it is as if we are already there. However, we're not there yet. We're also outside of the garden. So we live here on earth in between these two tensions. We live here on earth with the consequences of the fall, living a, a life sentence where we are all promised to die and living with the consequences of sin until one of two things happens. Either the Lord Jesus comes back or we go to be with him. Now, uh, a reminder of this comes up in Acts 14. Paul even told us in Acts 14 that it's through many tribulations and trials that we must enter the kingdom of God. Meaning, simply put, life here on earth is going to be hard. And it's supposed to be hard because we're not in the garden anymore, but we're not in heaven yet. Uh, and as you can see, what that means then practically is that there's not going to be peace on earth ever so long as sin reigns here on earth. In fact, the only peace that we can have or experience here on earth is the peace in our heart that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where we are trusting him with what he does with our lives so that we don't worry about anything that could happen to us because we know we've got Jesus and that's the most important thing we need to have. Now, an implication of this, of, of the doctrine of the fall that we see in Genesis 3, is that the coronavirus is not China's fault. It's not Italy's fault. It's not, it's not the president's fault. It's not politically motivated. Um, it's, it's none of the reasons that you've heard on the news. It's actually our fault. It's our fault because as direct descendants of Adam and Eve and the first time that we disobeyed God and we all have, we became complicit in natural and moral evil. And so in essence... We have reaped what we sowed here on earth. And what's behind the coronavirus is the fact that we are not in the garden and we are, no long, we are not in heaven yet. It's a part of natural evil, the consequence of disobeying God and being separated from Him. So, there's encouragement though. I, there is a bit of encouragement that comes out of this passage. And that is, besides the fact that Jesus will be in heaven 
when we get there, one of the other things that makes heaven heaven that won't be there is sin. There won't be natural evil or moral evil in heaven. In fact, in heaven, one of the things that makes heaven heaven is that the Lord is going to restore everything that existed in the garden back to what it was supposed to be in heaven. So, there's point number one. What caused the coronavirus? Now, here's the next question that's come to my mind as I've watched the news and I've watched and uh, read social media, and that is, why do we need to listen to our government authorities and obey our civil leaders? Because uh, I have seen some complaining on social media about the things that our government is asking us to do, and I, I want to answer that question. Uh, so if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Uh, Romans chapter 13, and I think there's an answer for us to those questions. In Romans 13, Paul writes, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. He says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Verse 6, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. And finally, verse 7, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Here's the second point in your outline. I want to encourage you to write this down. And that is that the Lord wants us to submit to earthly authorities. The Lord wants us to submit to earthly authorities. Now, why? Well, here's some quick observations from Romans 13. First of all, notice that even though we vote on our leaders in the United States of America, Paul is saying that ultimately they are put in their positions by God. By God. Next, uh, Paul says in verse 2 that resisting civil authorities for something other than sin is resisting God. And then, and then in verses 3 and 4, he tells us that Civil authorities are unknowingly, most of the time they don't know it, they are servants of God, being used by Him to create order and to limit the spread of moral evil. And then, and then finally, the, the last observation I just want to make from Romans 13 is in verses 5 through 7, and that is that Paul says we should respect and honor them. They're, they were put in place by God, and they are being used by God to fulfill His kingdom agenda. 
Now, I want to just encourage, let's, let's pause the video again. Here's another discussion question for you that you see on your handout. And it's this, what are some ways that local, state, and federal governments bless or protect us? I want to encourage you to talk about that. What are some ways that you can think of that local, state, and federal governments bless or protect us? Uh, pause the video, talk about that for a minute amongst yourselves, and then I'll be right back. Well, I'm sure you came up with some great ideas. Here's a few that I came up with. Uh, for example, we have great roads and services and other infrastructure because of government. We have a military that protects us from foreign invaders. We, we have legislators who write laws to protect our freedoms and to try and balance justice for citizens. Uh, we have legislators that write laws that decide what's right, what's wrong, so that Let's say you and I have a disagreement about something. It doesn't matter what you and I think. If there's a law that's been written on the books about it, the judge will interpret the law and decide who's right and who's wrong. Even though we would think, well, you would think you're right and I would think I'm right. Uh, another benefit is that we get financial aid and other assistance when we've suffered a, a natural disaster. You know, For example, when Hurricane Katrina um, hit New Orleans uh, several years ago, FEMA showed up and helped those families that have been devastated by that act of natural evil. So those are just a few ideas that, that came to my mind. Uh, regardless, here's, here's a bit of hope and encouragement for you. I think Romans 13 reminds us and gives us a little hope and encouragement in that regardless of whether we voted for or agree with our governmental leaders, they are puppets in the hands of a sovereign God. And God uses them to accomplish His sovereign will for the world. Now, of course, the Lord doesn't condone or make them sin. Uh, however, the Lord is powerful enough to use the sin of our leaders for good. He is powerful enough to use it for good to fulfill his agenda for the world to bring glory to himself and to work good for his people. And so I think we can be thankful for our government leaders. Now, next, if you would turn with me for our final point to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. So just hang a right, a, few, a couple books, and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 25 to 29. The author of Hebrews writes this, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And then verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, 
for our God is a consuming fire. I wanted to read this last passage here in Hebrews 12 in order to try and answer the question, what is God doing with this coronavirus pandemic? And here's Here's one thing I think he's up to, and this is the third point in your outline, so I want to encourage you to write this down, and it's the Lord uses divine interruptions to awaken us. The Lord uses divine interruptions to awaken us. I believe, based on God's word, that the Lord is shaking the earth once again so that we will pause and reevaluate our priorities. In the busyness of everyday life that we all live with work and school and our recreation and our families and all the things that we have going on that we filled our life with, it's very easy for us to forget what is most important. And, and I know the news is telling you what's most important is family. You know, that's what it's all about. But actually, that's not what this is all about. What's most important, according to God's Word, is where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. What's most important is your relationship with God. That's what matters most to Him. And so notice in verse 27 of Hebrews 12, where it says, the removal of things that are shaken. So when God does something like this, or allows something like this pandemic, I think what he's doing is he's removing or pausing all the material things that we value most in life. Like our money, our cars, our jobs, our clothes, our relationships, our entertainment, all those things that are not eternal. They have no eternal value. And what that means is that natural disasters are God's reminder that our greatest need as mankind is not physical health, financial security, keeping our family together, or holding on to all of our material possessions. Instead, it's a reminder that man's greatest need is an authentic personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you claim to know Christ as your Savior, but don't believe that, then you're, you're thinking, I'm sorry to say this, I don't mean to be harsh, but your thinking is not in agreement with how the Lord thinks then. Now, notice in verse 27, it also says that when the Lord shakes things, He does it in order that things cannot be shaken. The things that cannot be shaken can remain. This refers to things that are eternal, like God, His Word, and the souls of men. So my plea to you is that you don't waste this quarantine or your social distancing. Don't waste this time of pause where your routine has been interrupted and you're having to stop and slow down. Don't fill this extra time that you've been given at home with a bunch of other junk to pass the time. Uh, instead, in fact, let me just say this, the worst thing you could do over the next few weeks as our world comes to a halt and everybody is 
uh, sheltering in place at home is 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 to, to miss what God wants to do in your life and what he's trying to say about your relationship with him the best thing to do on the other hand you could do is to come out of this season of flattening the curve and social distancing with a deeper more intimate more authentic personal relationship with the Lord it's so I just want to urge you to to seek the Lord on what he wants you to do to build your relationship with him during this time and I think there's hope and encouragement here in Hebrews 12 and other passages in that the Lord loves us so much and desires a better relationship with us today than we had yesterday that he's willing to go to great lengths to interrupt us in fact he's willing to stop the world in order to get our attention now we you know that as well as I do that we can't talk about God's Word without coming up with some applications here here's a couple that come to mind I want to encourage you to write down and they're really more in the form of questions so I want to give you two application questions that I, I want to ask you to consider and pray through to come up with your own personal application so here's here's the first one how can you be a blessing instead of a burden to our civil leaders during this health crisis? How can you be a blessing instead of a burden to our civil leaders during this health crisis? Maybe it's posting some positive things on social media instead of complaining and criticizing them. Uh, maybe it's committing to pray uh, one day a week for our local leaders, another day for our state leaders, and then a, a third day for our federal leaders. Those are just a, a few ideas that come to mind, but how can you be a blessing instead of a burden to our civil leaders during this health crisis? Here's a second application question for you. How are you going to use this national shutdown to improve your walk with the Lord? How are you going to use this time? If you don't know Christ yet, maybe it's time that you stop running from the Lord and repent and by faith trust in Him for your salvation. Ask Him to forgive you for your sin. Ask Him to come into your life and to take hold of your life and commit to follow Him and believe by faith that He died for your sin and then resurrected Himself three days later. That's the gospel. And if you've already done that, maybe it is, you know, Lord, I've, I've gotten so busy, I realize I need to make spending time with you in the morning a priority again. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But I want to just really encourage you to answer the question, application number two, how are you going to use this national shutdown, this interruption, this, this pause, to strengthen or improve your walk with the Lord. Well, finally, the uh, last thing I want to encourage you to do is to spend some time in prayer, either with your spouse or with your, your family or friends, whoever you're watching this video with, or if you're by yourself, to spend some time in prayer. And I want to encourage you to thank the Lord for offering His grace and mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, as we live between the garden and heaven that the Lord is still good to us in between 
these two realms. Uh, also want to encourage you to pray for our government leaders, that they would have wisdom, that they would have strength, because they're working long hours and they're under a lot of stress and pressure. And then finally, ask the Lord to use this national shutdown and this global pandemic to awaken the church and to awaken the world and to bring many, if not thousands, to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much for joining me as we open up God's Word here uh, today. I hope you have a blessed week. I want to encourage you to maybe revisit these scripture passages that we looked at during your devotions uh, throughout the week. I hope you have a blessed week. I'm praying for you. I'm cheering for you. I'm praying for our nation. And I'm eager to see what the Lord is going to do through this pandemic we call the coronavirus. May the Lord bless you, and I'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.